I think that I can still see the eyes of Benito, this man, looking at the picture of the divine mercy from the bottom of his eyes. As many years ago with Father Teo, we were doing ministry in Argentina in this area where people from Bolivia in a very poor situation, they come to work and they work making bricks. So they cut, you know, they make the mud, they would, you know, cut the bricks they let them dry, and then there's this place with all these furnaces where they go and place all the bricks in stacks and they sort of uh, cook them or make them. And then they would have to spend the whole night. It's a very, very tough job. And many of them, they don't even know how to write or read. And so we wanted to evangelize them. We wanted to reach out to them to, to go and proclaim the good news. But it was difficult because they would have a hard time to understand. And so we would bring these pictures with us with the different scenes from the gospel. And so we would show them to them. And in that way they can see the life of Jesus. All these different passages. So according to the, to the year, uh, the liturgical year, we would bring different pictures and show them to them. And you'd be amazed at the, their faces and how they would look at these images and as someone, you know, a person from the Gospels almost, someone who was totally surprised and heard these this passages for the first time in their lives. Well, once we came to Benito, and that day we were visiting with the image of the Divine Mercy. And I still remember that moment when we showed him the image, and he started to look at it. And we had a hard time communicating with them because they don't say much. It's very hard for them to speak. And you don't even know what they're thinking because they look at you and, and you don't know what they're thinking. If they like what you're saying or don't. But he was looking at the image, intently at the image. And all of a sudden he breaks into tears. And he started crying and crying. It was amazing to see and we didn't know how to react to that situation. So we, you know, prompted him to, to say something and, and say, say what was going on. And so at that moment he pointed to the picture to something that I had never seen before. And that image of Jesus that has you know, his hands, he's showing his hands, the, the wounds in his hands, and also his bare foot because he's showing the, the wounds on his feet. But underneath his feet, there was you know, a floor made of bricks. And so Benito was pointing right at those bricks. And he said for the first time he spoke to us, the Lord is coming into my work, into my life. And it was an amazing experience for him. Then he went on the retreat and had an amazing conversion. He was the first one from that whole community that came on the retreats and, and opened up, so to say, uh, the, the, the path for many who came after him. And as I think of the divine mercy, I always go back to that image. I always go back to what happened on that day. Because I think that is the greatest example of what the divine mercy is all about. The divine mercy, so that the, the mercy of God is all about his desire to show himself, to manifest himself, to reveal himself to us. And we don't usually think about that. But it is amazing that God wants to reveal himself to us. That in this Easter season, God continues to show himself resurrected. To the disciples. We get used to this. 
And we almost think, like, why doesn't God, like, show himself more to me? But we have no entitlement <laughs> to God manifesting himself to us. We had no entitlement to the, the revelation that came in the Gospels. And still, his divine mercy is reflected in that he wants to reveal and show himself to us. When you think at the moment of creation and how many signs of his presence God has given us, if you are open to see those signs, you can see his fingerprints everywhere. When you think about the prophets who wrote in the scriptures, God reaching out to us through inspiration in the scriptures. And when you think that you know, in the greatest of times, in 33 blessed years, God entered this world. The author entered a chapter of his book. It is incredible and we get used to this. But God decided to reveal himself so much to us that he entered history. And he walked among us and he showed himself. He revealed to us the face of God in a human way, how God looks in the love, in the actions, in the words of Jesus. And if that wasn't enough, he died for us on the cross. And even more, he rose from the dead. And he appeared for 40 blessed days to more than 500 people on this earth who have seen him and testified to him. It is incredible. And even beyond that, throughout history, God continues to reveal himself and to show himself and to manifest himself as he did to this little sister in Poland. And he revealed himself in an amazing way to her. So God shows his mercy in that he wants to manifest himself to us. He wants to reveal himself. And he's willing to accept us, to take us in whatever way we come to him. He reveals himself and he's willing to accept our own access to him. He has given us access and he's ready to, to welcome each one of us. We can say that there's two ways of, uh, you know, to access uh, the reality of God in this life that are depicted in the gospel. The first one is, we can put in this phrase, to understand, to believe. And the second one is to believe, to understand. The first one, understand in order to believe, is what Thomas depicts for us in the gospel today. And believe, to understand, what the other ten disciples and what Jesus opened for us in the gospel today. So the first one is to understand in order to believe. We know that vision is an analogy also for the intellect. We can say that the intellect is the eyes of the soul, of our spirit. And so when we read the word vision today to see the Lord, we can also think about the intellect. So this way is putting the intellect first and trying to understand God in order to come into a deeper and greater faith. And this is a really valid path. It could be slower at times, but it is a very safe path. It is slower, but safer. We read in the gospel today that Thomas, because he wasn't there, he had to wait for another week. So it's a path that takes a little longer, but it's safe. It helps us to reach a better understanding of God and to be able to explain that to others. 
And it also allows for a greater perseverance. Those who know their faith well, they tend to persevere more because they are not swayed by uh, any feelings or any change in their temperaments. But it has two great dangers. Two great dangers. The first one is that sometimes since we begin with understanding, we may never take the step into belief, which is the most important part of it. And it can lead to falling into pride, into a prideful spirit, a faith where I am in control of it. I choose all the things that I understand, but I never submit myself completely to the one who reveals himself to us. And in the second place, the second danger of this approach is that it could lead into a very cold faith, a cool faith, a knowledge, but not necessarily a saving knowledge of God, an understanding of who God is and many things of the faith as a a very important knowledge, but not necessarily putting me in contact with the Savior. So this is the first approach, and and Thomas uh, seems to fall into that in the gospel today. And Jesus takes him. He he takes that approach. He accepts that. He says, you know, come and put your fingers here, the nail marks. Here's my sight. You can put your hand. You can investigate. He welcomes that approach. And this is a really valid approach. But Thomas wants to invite, uh, Jesus wants to invite Thomas and all of us to take one more step. And this not to stop at the level of understanding, but taking that step of submitting to God who reveals himself and so into belief. The second approach, the second axis, we could say, is the one of believing in order to understand. Jesus says in the gospel today, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. And of course, Jesus is not inviting to a blind faith. It is the intellect that follows the acceptance of God's revelation that is seen as credible because of many small reasons that are pointing into that direction. And so the apostles were inclined to accept you know, the, the Lord whom they were seeing in that moment. And we know that. Uh, the disciples on the way to Emmaus didn't recognize him, and they have a hard time recognizing him. It is the Lord, but Peter doesn't know. In this situation, they are moved to accept that that is the risen Christ, that what the women had said was true. And so there's one reason pointing there, that Peter and John had seen the linens sitting in the tomb, that they had seen that the tomb was empty, that they remember that Jesus had said that he was going to raise from the dead. And they see, you know, an identification between this person whom they are seeing with the one whom they knew from before the passion. And all these reasons are pointing into that direction so that when they see the risen Lord, they believe right away. They don't need to question. They don't need to understand everything about the resurrection. They, they didn't at that moment. They didn't know how things worked out, if he was going to stay with them, if, if he wouldn't. They didn't know how everything was going to be. But they were... You know, moved to belief in that moment. And that belief led them to understanding even more later. John Henry Newman says that faith is above all a disposition of the heart. 
So it is that disposition of the heart that is inclined because of these many small reasons that our spirit puts together that we are inclined to almost take that step, that leap into belief. It depends on us. It depends on us. We can say in a certain way that only believe those who want to believe, in a sense. Those who have the heart to take all those very small evidences as true and be moved to, to make an act of faith, to submit themselves. And this is not less intellectual, because all those who have followed this path of believing in order to understanding have written amazing things. A great example of that is John. He writes this gospel many years later. And he says, these are only a few accounts that I have written down so that you may also believe. And he came to understand the resurrection of Christ. And that's why the beauty of his gospel with his high theology that he wrote for us and his three letters. So he came to understand in a deeper way because of that initial Almost, you know, heart feeling, we could say, God feeling to, that moved him to believe in that moment, to jump. So that is the invitation on this Sunday, that we may grow in our faith. It's important to have both of those approaches in our spiritual life. Both of them are welcomed by Christ. And so today I want to invite all of us to deepen more in our faith in the resurrection and in God who reveals himself to us. How to do this, how to expose ourselves so that we can uh, you know, profess our faith more strongly in the resurrection. We read in the first reading from today, from the Acts of the Apostles, that the first Christians also after the resurrection, they were seeking to encounter the risen Christ more. And there's three main things that they say that they did. The first one is communal life. The second one is prayers. And the third one is teachings. So as they were giving themselves to communal life, to prayer and teachings, then they encountered the risen Christ. And they were able to grow in their faith in the resurrection. So the first one is communal life. Even though it has to be virtual in this time, it's very important to invest on that. That's why we have the Newman Nights on Tuesday and we strive to uh, stick together as a community and to encourage one another. The second one is prayer. And as I was thinking about this, as exterior life is not so exciting right now, it is a great opportunity to devote ourselves to the interior life that is much more exciting. So this is a great time to devote ourselves to prayer and to deepen more into our souls and knowledge of God. And in the third place, the teachings, formation, we can continue developing ourselves in Christ. And this Wednesday we will have the Newman Lecture about the problem of evil and so many other resources that you can find in newmanecampus.com. So it's important to continue to nourish ourselves, to not put that in pause during this time. So as we celebrate this Sunday of Divine Mercy, I want to invite all of us to grow in our submission of faith. Our submission that begins with the heart, but seeks greater understanding. And so maybe today it's not the Lord walking on those bricks that was so important for Benito on that day. 
But he comes and he reveals himself. And he, you can imagine the carpet of your home, the carpet of your room, the hardwood of the living room of your house. Because the Lord still come to us. So may we say with St. Faustina, Jesus, I trust in you.